Yeah, so I think it's kind of neat to talk about how we met, and I'd like to be like really honest about how we met because it's it's sort of a it's an unusual thing, and it's not uh, it's a way that I haven't actually met someone else, and it's a way that I haven't been able to develop anything like that into a a friendship or a relationship. So we met at Whole Foods. Yeah. Right, like uh, I don't know, six months ago or so, five yeah, months in summer. Yeah, something like that, right? And uh, you were the only person I saw without a mask on. And I immediately was like, whoa, how, how is he doing that? And I was like, I was feeling the same thing, I think, as you, not wanting to wear it and wanting to stand up for what we thought was right, especially at the time. I know things have changed and all that, but Whole Foods, the only guy without a mask. And I went up to you and we, you know, we were chatting. You met Sorrel, you met Bree, um, kind of realized we were on a similar page in a lot of ways and yeah. figured out that you're a massage therapist or just about finishing at that point. And uh, yeah, and then here we are a couple months later and we've been chatting a little bit and uh, discovering some similarities we have and uh, I'm really open to pick your brain today and hopefully, you know, we can share some like insight into breath work and some of the other stuff you have going on. So welcome, welcome Rico. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the first time we met it was, it was uh, well just for some context, in BC it's like everyone wears a mask everywhere. Yeah. Um, and we have some of the strictest rules on the planet right now. And, and I've, you know, just had the, the ethos that like, I'm gonna live my life the way that I would if I was somewhere where there wasn't these rules. Because if you look around, you know, these, these rules don't apply everywhere. And, and, and so going to the grocery store, yes. Yeah, you, you just don't see anyone not wearing a mask, so it immediately yeah. creates like, okay, there's another person not wearing one. Yeah. We must, we must have like something in common. It's, it's yeah. Enough. So it's yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. It was great, and I, I do get uh, from, I have had from time to time people come up to me. It's generally more positive than negative interactions when I don't wear it. So sweet. Yeah, that's good. And it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because we had a conversation recently, like when I, when you gave me a massage, which was great, um, right? I ha I had the realization. I shared the realization that like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel good not to wear a mask. Like I, this isn't going to turn into a big COVID talk. I, I think we can steer away from that. But it's just it's also pretty draining, right? And I found like it's about sort of cutting your like choosing your battles because there's clearly a lot of pressure against that and a lot of. Um, yeah, a lot of discomfort, a lot of judgment, and sometimes it might be self-judgment or uh, judgment you feel like other people have on you, and sometimes it's not about that, right? People are coming up to you and like, right on, man. Yeah. But it's not always like that, and you do get kicked out of places, or at least I was getting kicked out of places, and I, I noticed it was like a real point of tension for me, and I was like, this isn't actually, this is worse off, right? Because as we talked about, like, what we really don't want to see is more division. You know, we're, we're wearing, not wearing these or choosing not to wear them or talking about not wearing them because we want there to be less division. And that was kind of the opposite was happening to me. Mm -hmm. And that was not a good thing. So, you know, talking to you, you kind of help back it up and sort of support me in that. It's like, it's okay, like, sort of pick your battles, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely pick your battles. I mean, also, what is the battle you're, you're fighting there too? Are you fighting right. the grocery store? Are you fighting the other people shopping? Are you, what, what's what uh, statement are you making, and is it actually landing? Is it is it being received, or is there another way to have that that statement heard? Mm -hmm. And 
To be honest, I don't actually have an answer to that question. Like, is there another? <laughs> is there a better way? Yeah. I don't know, but it it wasn't there wasn't necessarily more people like coming together because you know yeah. we had we had one one interaction. I've had a couple others, but for the most part, um, it it just creates this big this big field around me of don't come near me. Yeah. And, and that's not really what I want to to embody. So yeah, it's not that I've you know gone back to 100% wearing a mask all the time. Um, by any means, but just yeah, picking picking those moments when it when it matters and yeah, and and for me it's all about like the the mask prevents the um, I mean like having a face to face interaction. It's all it's all just you know eyes yeah. eyes yeah. up and um, and I've just noticed myself like becoming more closed and more judgmental towards people if I can't see their whole face mm. and and so I, I really I crave that that face to face interaction again. I, I, I have it as much as I can. Like I, mm. I get out and like we're right now face to face. And, yeah. and this is the sort of thing that I, I do want. I wasn't necessarily having these at the grocery store before. <laughs> I wasn't like getting into these deep dialogues with people yeah, before. Yeah. So, you know, putting the mask on, not putting the mask on. It didn't. It didn't change that. Yeah. It didn't change that part of it. So. Yeah. 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 So how have you found? Um, how have you found your massage therapy? Let's like let's dive into that. You're a, a recent, a fairly recent graduate, right? Yeah, I graduated in December. Right, so, and, so I, and I actually don't take my, my board, my first board exam to get regulated is this week. Right, and then I have two more um, in March as well. So, so you're dysregulated. I'm dysregulated totally. <laughs> yeah, trying to solve that. I'm totally unregulated. Right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm so ungrounded right now. Man. No, um, so yeah, why did you decide to get into massage therapy? Uh, well, I, I've, I've been working with people for a long time with, with diet, fasting, um, breath work is a big one for me. I've even been running Men's Circle for the past two years. And uh, a lot of my offerings were kind of on the fringe, a little bit outside of what people are normally going for for their, their healing. It's, it's, it's not stuff that's necessarily recognizable. They don't have a, a context for it. So I, I found when people would ask me what I do, I'm giving a lot of explanation. Mm. I'm not just saying I do breath work. I'm explaining what breath work is. I'm not saying I do men's work. I'm explaining what men's work is. With something like massage, people just know what massage is. Yeah. And and because of that, you know, my friends who are massage therapists, they just have a full schedule. They're 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 working full time. Um, they get as much work as they want. And and I was kind of doing this thing where I was I was I was doing a lot of hustling. I was I was putting myself out there constantly. And the, the the amount of effort that that takes took away from being able to just really hone my practice and my, my services, and mm -hmm. you know doing odd jobs way to kind of like supplement income, and uh, I, I was ready to step up into like a full time practitioner facilitator, just working on on my offerings on my services, and the best way to do that is to have like a stable, grounded practice right and, and and build off of that and so the massage offered that it's it's a really solid foundation for mm. doing breath work for doing men's work for doing coaching anything i do on top of massage is actually just building my own practice and yeah. and, and and as well it, it was a deep dive into um, anatomy physiology and, and, and exploration into the body that that i didn't know uh, as well so you know i had my had my trainings and my what I'd learned before through through uh, my teachers that I that I'd worked with, but then this was like a really deep 
intensive for two years learning about the human body. And so now everything that I learned from that, I can I can take to breath work, I can take to men's work, and just really expand it fasting. Like I I can right. build off of off of that into these other things so much with with so much more awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea, right? Just to pick something that sort of you know relates to all of them. Like clearly, breath work is really important. Massage and you're you're a, you're a healer and you're you're doing body work and where does men's work come in? How does that sort of um, tie into massage? Uh, to to massage, um, well, I guess it, it it does and it doesn't in 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 the sense that it does um, really is around what my interest with massage is. So I mean, you could go see one massage therapist and their practice will look very different from the mm -hmm. next, and and everyone kind of finds a niche that they, they like. And, and for me, a big one is just, just nervous system regulation, mm -hmm. relaxation, uh, letting, the, letting the breath, letting the nervous system just settle. And with, with men that I work with, I'm doing that just through different means. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're sitting in a men's circle and someone's having a lot of challenges in their life, like the, the group is there to help resource them. They can access a level of resourcing that if they were in in that state of stress, at home, by themselves, isolated from, from any sort of community, they're not going to be able to process uh, the events going on in their life that are causing right. that stress. So, um, same with, with with massage. Someone has pain, stress, um, injuries, just just emotional, energetic tension in their body, and they come in for a massage. They're going to be able to access resourcing that they wouldn't if they tried to just stay at home, isolated, not receiving the touch they need. Right. So there's like it's it's a bit of principles follows the same principles, mm -hmm. and at the same time, like um, it's an embodiment thing for me. I'm if I'm working with people on a daily basis, just helping them to regulate their nervous system, helping them to resource, let go, see things more clearly, mm -hmm. move with more grace. Move right. through the world with more grace. I mean, that's that's, yeah, that's exactly right. what I'm helping men do. So, right, it uh, it's it's an embodiment thing as well as following the same principles. Yeah, I'd say that's that's really uh, that sounds exactly why I came to you. I was like, yeah, there's some tension and stress, but I'm like, I haven't been fucking touched in a while. Like, just the fact that it's like skin on skin. It's like someone helping you in, in a different way. It was like something that I hadn't experienced in a while, right? Through this kind of drought for the last two years of, uh, you know, not just purely COVID, obviously, but that hasn't kept everyone from touching, but yeah, I felt like that was very healing that way. Mm -hmm. It was very like, you know, obviously purposeful and um, yeah, like really, really needed. And I could totally see why that would, that could relate to your ability just to heal and hold space and how that sort of relates to greater men's work. Mm. Um, men's work for me isn't popular at all where I'm from. I, maybe it's because I wasn't partly sure it's because I wasn't really aware of it, so I'm not really thinking about it or, or searching it out. But I, I didn't at the time when I lived in Ontario for like most of my life, I hadn't heard of, I don't even know if I had really heard of men's work too much or known of any circles out here. I'm sure partly because I'm now involved in it, but I'm hearing a lot more about it. And like, uh, at least maybe the people that I'm tuned into you, I have another friend that's a massage therapist who also goes to a uh, men's group, uh, was introduced to a men's group through another person I know. Like, it seems like it's a lot more 
Is the island a lot more uh, progressive with healing? Is that a fair statement? Maybe, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't spent like any time in, well, I've, I've, I've seen very little of Canada and right. no time in Ontario, so I can't necessarily <laughs> compare from experience. Yeah. What I've seen here though is uh, the, um, the men that come to, to my group are looking for brotherhood. Mm -hmm. And that's such a nebulous term, like what, what is brotherhood? It kind of sounds edgy, like it sounds sounds a bit even dangerous or or like maybe, maybe even maybe even just some made-up word like it doesn't really exist um, but regardless of of that when when I say the word brotherhood to men generally there's some like some intrigue some resonance some some desire some craving or like big resistance mm. like oh that's scary I, I don't want that that sounds untrustworthy why can't women be involved why is this a gendered thing? And but but it, essentially, the word brotherhood brings up a response in most people. Right. Very few people hear the word brotherhood and they're like, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. Neutral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, whether yeah. there's resistance right. or there's desire, both of those are, are good responses because mm -hmm. it, it indicates that um, there's an absence of it, or mm -hmm. or or it uh, that the men that have it don't generally come to me. So right, yeah. maybe maybe other parts of Canada have more of that in, in other mediums, maybe not. Um, I know that here there's there's a particular desire for like skilled, uh, mutually respectful and and connected, also structured means of connecting. Right. Um, there are a lot of men's groups that pop up. I've I've sat in, you know, probably a dozen different men's groups that really? pop up. Yeah, and the reason I'm not sitting in any of those anymore is because all of them have have stopped dismantled um, or dismantled or there's there's probably only one that didn't dismantle um, but it was dropped in so I dropped in and then I decided not to go back right and dropped it yeah and and so there's there, there there's a there's a lot more desire to to have men's circles and and meet with men and, and be together than there are actually um, continuing ongoing opportunities so yeah. Maybe maybe in other other places um, that desire is there. There's just even fewer opportunities than there are here. Yeah, maybe, eh? And I noticed like you grew up here, right, on the yeah. island. Yeah, Campbell like, River. Born and raised. Yeah. yeah. So we're a couple hours from three hours from Campbell River. Yeah. That boat ride. When I first moved here, and any time I visited, which was like maybe only twice before, um, uh, what I noticed right away was like the I was the fastest driver on the road. Like mm. that kind of thing. It's like the fat guy's from fucking Ontario. He's in a rush, right? Like I immediately felt no one's really in a rush here, which is a huge feeling, right? And I noticed that the same thing on the East Coast. So I'm kind of wondering, like lifestyle-wise, we're just, you know, this is a definitely a bit of a stereotype, but I feel like, well, I felt the difference here. So I'm I'm also thinking like, just the speed of lifestyle is just faster and it's not necessarily better obviously I'm not saying faster would be better it's like fast and maybe a little bit less aware mm. because it's so like busy and fast paced and like yeah just like quick whereas I think a lot of uh, a lot about the men's work is about uh, at least in my experience well it is it's about like being mindful and listening and slowing down and being grounded and regulating as you're saying mm. so in a lot of ways it's like what what I needed there but I didn't really know about it. Mm. 
in a lot of ways. So I feel like it's sort of the uh, like the solution to a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really interesting perspective because being being born and raised on island time, yeah, you don't don't usually remember that it exists until I like, go to Vancouver or yeah. you know, go to Seattle yeah. or somewhere where it's just yeah fast paced and. Um, and I even spent a lot of time like on Quadro and, and other, like the further you get off of the mainland, the more, the smaller the island you get to, the slower down, the more it slows down uh, almost exponentially, so. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, pace, the pace of a men's group does tend to be about slowing down. Like we start with, in my, in my group we start with breathing. Yeah. We just come down to breathing, we move our bodies. Sometimes we'll do something different, um, but often, what we'll do that's different is even slower than that. Like we'll just sit and right. stare at a candle for 20 minutes and just meditate, come back to center, keep a point of focus in front of ourselves so that we can just come back moment by moment, right. let go of everything that's keeping us from, from being here in the room with the other men and, and just be still, breathing. So it really is about slowing down. And then there's the chance to listen. Right. But listening can't happen mind's moving yeah no mile a minute yeah i totally agree with that yeah i'm uh i'm super stoked about these men's groups what's your what's your group called because you're not part of the same uh or i forget what we said are you part of the same association no so because you're with the samurai brotherhood right yeah which yeah. they've renamed now i forget what it's called arca i think it's called arca okay cool okay. i didn't hear about that yeah name. it's the appropriation i think with the term samurai right bunch of white guys so it's like yeah okay fair enough fair enough yeah <laughs> um we uh so so i'm with uh my brother and it's just us two right now and true brotherhood <laughs> yeah 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 it's been it's it's interesting because uh that biological aspect is it, it keeps us together even regardless of like the business and branding like yeah up together yeah um but this is actually this is our logo here so oh, sweet yeah show that to the camera just in there case you can't see it yeah it doesn't have the name or anything this is just kind of my work t-shirt but uh two lions two lions um we go by mystic heart men's circle okay and and the right the name really represents like what what we're creating is a space for like the heart to express itself in and dive into you know mysticism and and poetry and expression and um, we have a big, big focus on communication skills, so listening skills, um, how to frame certain things, how to, how, to, how to release a charge with someone that's um, mutually respectful and actually brings you closer together. So there's a um, sort of artists, poets type mm. of approach to it, as opposed to, say, like the warrior's approach. Or, yeah. um, but I mean, all of these sort of archetypal images of of masculinity are, are are welcome and embodied and shared, but those are also explored outside of the circle. So, like, like for myself, I, I love to do ocean dips and I love to you know swing the mace and mm -hmm. and get exercise and I and I channel a part of my own essence, my masculinity through that. But in the circle, there's a chance to really cultivate skills and, and you know so to speak sharpen the sword. In, in another way, and that communication sword is, is, is powerful, so. Would you, would you say men's work is a lot about balancing like the feminine masculine energy within yourself? I'll be honest, I wouldn't say that. Mostly because I, um, 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Stephen Jenkinson here because he he said it really nicely and uh, who is that? He he's he's called he calls himself the grief walker. He's he's actually from Ontario and he grief walker. Um, yeah, he helps people with grieving. Um, mm. He's written written several books and he actually he comes to the island fairly frequently. But um, is definitely he no no he's uh, I don't know I don't know a lot about his his past but. Um, He's got some some great interviews. It's really worth looking up. Yeah. Uh, he he said something about masculine and feminine, which I I really appreciate because it's become so, there's there's such buzzwords now, mm-hmm. and I don't know what they mean. And straight up, I don't know what they mean. I have you know my own definitions, and those definitions definitions are evolving. I hear other people have different definitions, and then you know if we try to talk about masculine and feminine, we're not really talking about the same thing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really tough, and, and what Stephen Jenkinson said was he's, he remains unconvinced that masculine and feminine are as valuable as they appear to be as identities. Rather, they're ways of looking at the world, mm-hmm. not necessarily things to look at. Perspectives versus yeah. perceptions, maybe? Yeah, like, like I can put mm-hmm. on my masculine lens and see the world through that, or feminine. But I don't know what the lens is, right. and I'm not the lens. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm seeing isn't the lens. The lens is just there. I'm still seeing the world, and I'm still me. But am I am I fundamentally changed because that lens is different? Right. I don't know. Hmm. So I like that perspective because you know I've I've heard people try to define certain qualities as masculine and feminine, like discipline. Saying so discipline is masculine. Beauty yeah. is feminine, and I and I wonder like, well, what about what about feminine discipline? What about masculine beauty? Yeah, I think those are real, and they just may look different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, when 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 it comes to like, are we balancing the masculine and feminine in the men's circle? Um, my response to that is, we're men sitting together, because I think there is enough of a thread of commonality between men. And enough of a desire between men to have that shared space that it's worth doing. And then what we're doing there is to allow men to, um, you know, I'm, I'm facilitating the group, mm-hmm. but I'm also listening to what their needs are and trying to guide them in a direction that allows them to be stronger men in their own lives. So does that necessarily mean bringing out more of their masculine, more of their feminine, or does it mean, you know, sharpen their communication skills? Um, step up their leadership because they have a high requirement of them at their job or in their relationship okay. or as a parent um, are we are we looking at you know just some shadows that they've got maybe they have like some wounds some sexual wounds or something that that can't be explored alone and and they need support to go there so that's mm-hmm. more I think it's a lot more nuanced than masculine and feminine it's like yeah. a whole human being and like this thing needs attention so let's just go there I don't care if that's masculine. Yeah, you're right. What yeah. You that seems, in my opinion, that relates a lot better to massage than if you were, if your belief was like a more masculine, feminine energy or whatever the fuck we're even saying. I get why it sounds really ambiguous. You're like, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't have to be at two columns. Yeah. Like you're treating the person, you're not treating like based on masculine or feminine, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that is interesting because I've heard I've. 
I just I from being more of an online coach than I ever have been. I feel like I've been. Um, I like people have been sending me other coaches like just to just to check out or like my marketing guy will send you know check out this guy what he's doing and it might be nothing to do with what he's doing as a business but I'm getting I'm seeing a lot more online coaches so there's there's a lot more variation I feel like of lifestyle coaches and like life coaches and the the energy coach and like the I've seen this a decent amount now like the the masculine versus feminine energy I know Tony Robbins talks about it in a different way mm-hmm. about certain I I th- I'd be really interested to should message Tony get him on the podcast yeah, yeah. but uh I'm sure he would sh- sure yeah he just seems he seems ready to go yeah oh he fucking does seem ready to go I don't <laughs> know how you get a hold of him but I should text him Tony it's Josh yeah, just get his number yeah it should be fine but I I would be curious to like hear his opinion about that a little bit more because I know he does talk about that and I don't want to misquote him but I believe there are some differentiated factors beyond like you know the 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 biology of this mm. we're not talking about sex at this point at all um, no totally yeah. yeah and that's that's one of the things I find interesting about this is so we already distinguish masculine and feminine don't necessarily mean man and woman mm-hmm. okay cool so we've already created that distinction then we're looking at masculine and feminine as sort of uh, like some people would call them like um, poles um, opposite poles of the same yeah. sort of spectrum um, and then you can have like you know kind of somewhere in between of both in any given moment maybe someone's like um, you know lives their life kind of somewhere in the middle um, or maybe someone's really feminine and they're attracted to someone who's really masculine and all of this and there's um, relationship coaches uh, talking about that and and I I think that's 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 a good tool it's not wrong you're talking about like to identify the polarization yeah Is that to, what you're saying? and to and to just have I have distinctions right like it's it's not wrong it's not bad it's not unhelpful in fact I think it's a really valuable tool like someone might be trying to understand their partner and they don't this is maybe like a common thing for men is to, to try to figure out their female partner mm-hmm. who's who's expresses themselves very differently also they're really they're really drawn to them really attracted to that but at the same time it, it confuses them and pisses them off yeah and if they can find a tool for understanding that 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 sort of feminine um, quality that's that's very opposite to them mm-hmm. then they might be able to understand them better and that's that's really great that's beautiful and it works for a lot of people and I think people should dive into that and explore that when it comes to someone trying to figure out whether something about them is masculine and feminine and whether we should try to balance that more like for example a man might be really um, a man's man like a guy's guy you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's Sports, in the yard chopping wood after yeah. work every day working long hours he's, he's always with, with the guys and, and there's so many stereotypes of like a man's man but totally. let's just say he's, he's the kind of man that no one ever questions his masculinity does right. he need to balance that by like going to maybe an ecstatic dance or, or like um, writing poetry, which I, I don't even think these are feminine things. I think these are perfectly masculine things too, but let's just say... You like know, you're like, kind of living within the perception of what the yeah. stereotype would be, so I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, so that's, that comes back to like, it's not as useful to create identities around yeah. certain qualities as mm-hmm. being masculine and feminine, but really just 
that there's a masculine way of doing anything. There's a feminine way of doing anything. Mm. And and uh, I mean, there's 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 men doing like ballet, and they are super fucking masculine yeah. as they're doing ballet. No question about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you can't necessarily define qualities or, or behaviors or certain things, but that you might be able to attune to another person from those opposite ends of the spectrum or somewhere in the middle or at the same spot, but that you can, you can mirror each other's energy. And that, that I think is really useful. So I think when, when people do create definitions, it's a tool and it's, it's it's fascinating. It's really, it's really neat yeah. to see how people structure that and how people navigate that. Totally. I, I think to your point too with the, I'm not sure the percentage, but like we all know tons of people that are not doing well in relationship with each other. It's really needed because most people fail in relationships or I think half people do. It's like a pretty high. And I mean, what does failure in relationship mean? I'm saying like if, if you were, if you choose to get married and you get divorced, which is clearly not the most accurate measurement of success or not but how we measure that I don't know but it feels like most people or a lot of people don't do well in a relationship and and fail so Mm -hmm. to create some type of like this is what it is for the sake of like trying this tool at least so not everything is smoke and mirrors and ambiguous the whole time yeah there's just no concrete at all to make a step on right yeah yeah, it allows, allows you to create practices. Even yeah. It's like communication practices, how to meet each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we're like, yeah. we, we, when we do our communication practices and stuff in the, in the men's group, we don't do it through the lens of masculine and feminine. I mean, with, especially like with, with men that sit in our group that are gay, they're not focused on their feminine partner necessarily. They might be focused on a very masculine partner. Men in the group who have a, a female partner might be, have, have someone who, may communicate in a quote-unquote very masculine way it's so yeah it's really more about meeting the person where they're at yeah meeting their partner where they're at understanding how to move forward yeah. and if they want more of that polarity you can definitely help them with that i mean mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of relationships that as you say fail get very depolarized and then there's just no no electricity i had a really uh really interesting uh podcast episode with a guy named tanner Guzzi, and he's a a men's style coach from, where did he say he's from? I forget what state, anyway. Um, he, <clears throat> again, he'd be great to have here. I don't know why he's not here. I mean, I didn't invite him, but other than that, he was talking about like clear polarity needed, right? So he talked about it in a way of like, obviously how you perceive yourself and how you present yourself through how you dress mm-hmm. is like sending out like loud and clear signals all over the place and that he, there was a clip I put up about, um, he talks about men being like this comfort. You're saying like people, you know, in a couple will become sort of depolarized. They kind of are a lot more similar. They're kind of doing the same thing. The energy is kind of matched. And he talks about, um, let's see if I can quote this. He basically says like, if it was, if dressing shitty was truly about being comfortable, um, or if the reason you dressed terrible was purely because you were comfortable, you would just wear your fucking wife's Snuggie <laughs> all day. And it's like, right. it's a lot more than just feeling comfortable. Mm. Like there's way more messaging going about than pure comfort. Right. So 
I think to your point too, like some of the deeper messaging with like what that polarity actually, how that plays out in a relationship or a life, any type of relationship. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. That's a big topic for sure, but. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and if you look at like the last hundred years, I mean, how, how much of that polarity played out in like traditional family roles. Mm -hmm. And now when relationships don't necessarily have those traditional family rules, like for example, I don't, I don't support my partner and like pay all the bills and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, she's got her own thing going on and, mm -hmm. and, um, like how do we still find polarity right. when, when I'm not the provider, the provider, money, house, all of that, yeah. how do we still find polarity? And, um, there's there's different ways. I mean, like you look at the kink community. There's a whole bunch of polarity dynamics going on there. You look at um, you know people going back to traditional roles as well, or even never left them. Just they worked. Yeah, great. We'll continue. And I'm not saying I'm not saying they worked, but just that um, people who are finding that they work. That's one way of just keeping that uh, chemistry. And yeah, and and traditional families marriages do last. Um, in comparison, but that doesn't mean they're better. It just means you gotta you gotta find that way to meet each other because there's there's a lot of relationships, uh, heterosexual, homosexual, any any dynamic going on that that finds that way to make it work in in modern mm -hmm. times and are probably a lot healthier for it than than some ways of doing like a traditional marriage and right. dynamic. What are your thoughts uh, on the term? Uh, toxic masculinity so like thoughts on the term and then thoughts on kind of the definition or or your experience with the, mm. the word the, the phrase yeah that's a that's a good one okay so we're getting into we're getting into toxic masculinity <laughs> and i mean we're talking about men's groups right yeah. so it's it's no, going to come up in some way it's come up in my i've brought it up yeah in my men's group but i'm curious to see you as a facilitator and as someone that's you know being a, been a part of lots of men's groups and brotherhoods. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be talked about, I yeah. think. Um, mostly because uh, it's, it's made a lot of men afraid. They're afraid, afraid? To, yeah, mm. they're afraid to be, they're afraid to be toxic. And it's so, it's so loosely defined the first time people hear it, that it's like, oh shit, what do I, how do I avoid being toxic? How do I avoid being dangerous? How do I, you know, be a good man. What is, there's no definition for a good man, but there's a definition for a bad man. And so that new definition of a good man needs to be also there uh, to go, to, to move into. And, you know, the, the, the guys that come to my group, generally, generally the word toxic masculinity is something that's kind of a projection. Like I never really hear people talk about themselves as toxic men. Mm. It's, it's a projection onto someone else and as in those men think of other people as toxic or they've been called toxic well that's just it it's yeah it's it's a projection in either in either of one okay yeah. gotcha yeah and um it's it's an unhelpful projection it's not a solution it's not a direction to move in it's just an accusation mm -hmm. so so we're already starting on kind of a, a rough terrain because it doesn't give us the direction to move in and in my experience, it's really helpful to give a man a direction to move in or for him to, to create right. his own. Um, so maybe 
maybe this this term toxic masculinity has really sparked men to to try to create their own their own definition of what being a good man is. What what, what does toxic masculinity actually even mean? Well, I think it I think it I think it changes from from time to time, but but we have to look at like the legitimate aspect of like narcissistic men abusing women in their relationships, narcissistic men abusing other men, narcissistic mm -hmm. men, you know, being just generally uh, dangerous and, and toxic people, both physically and emotionally. Those those are those are legit and those are real. And um, as far as as far as that term has actually created change, it's definitely created discussion. Definitely I like, created discussion. I like that thought. But they, that's, that's, that's sort of what you know, my brother and I are doing, is creating a, a wide enough net to catch men who, who fall in those, those sort of waves of, of um, whether that's like a cultural trend, like Me Too, right. or um, uh, whatever, whatever pushes a man outside of his, his comfort zone will catch him and say, okay, you're, yeah. you're, you're recognized as a man here. We can help you. And, yeah, you're safe. We're gonna help you rebuild or yes, create purpose or move towards that. Yeah, I like that word rebuild. It's really, it's really about building, mm -hmm. you know. And that, um, I, I think that there's uh, social media. Um, guys, guys can get into social media and just be really torn down by the the landscape. Um, and, and like I said, it's it, those, those projections. Mm -hmm. Someone is toxic. It's the masculinity part that's toxic. Right. Not that, and I, I've never actually heard anyone say that masculinity is toxic, mm -hmm. but the term toxic masculinity points to the toxicity as being masculine mm -hmm. because it came from a man. Yeah. And, and I, I, I would argue that narcissism and, uh, and uh, you know, other, other actual like mental health disorders you know, these are these are these are actual disorders that cause people to lack empathy. Some of the sociopath or narcissist, they lack empathy. They can't connect with people. Um, that's not masculine. Yeah, that's not one or the other. That's yeah. something else. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't seen any definitions of toxic masculinity that weren't that lack of empathy. Mm. Yeah. You haven't heard any definitions where. Where they talk about lack of empathy being a characteristic of toxic masculinity, um, yeah. and and that I haven't heard of any examples where that wasn't really the root problem. Somebody's behavior hurts someone else because they didn't empathize. Hmm. So there's a there's clearly a dissonance there then. Yeah. The the thing what I, what I really like about what you said is you took a real like neutral approach to it, it, it at, at part of it to look at like has it you know it's not is it is it good or is it bad has it helped has it just helped create some positive change and you're like i think it's created some discussion and here we are yeah here so we are. yeah totally yeah just, I, it's just yeah. like the me too movement i mean it, it it encouraged a lot of people to speak up mm -hmm. fucking sweet yeah that's awesome that's really really good and and if there was um and if there was any harm done in that, whether like false accusations and stuff, which mm -hmm. I've heard people talk about, like that, that's terrible, mm -hmm. no doubt. But, and, and, and it's not like, oh, but it, this was good, 
and oh, but that was bad, and we have to weigh it. We don't have to weigh it. We can say this was good, and we can say that was bad. Yeah, and just separate. It. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an overgeneralization, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like it's a narrative that um, I've heard. I've heard a lot. Um, I've heard it about me. I've heard it about other men. I, I like. I see it on social media. Blah blah blah. Um, and again, this is from such a small, this is from only my perspective, uh, but I, I feel like it's starting to shift. I've, I've seen some, I've seen some female psychologists, I think, and some, maybe some therapists, female therapists, woman therapists, talk about how, like, as women, we also need to just support, like, men when they're in change, like when they're rebuilding, like we need to also support them. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means, what it looks like exactly, but there's not really a whole lot of negative connotation with the word support. I mean, we can all take a pretty accurate guess of what that might feel like being supported. It might not look like the same, but I think that's really important. There's a, uh, have you ever heard of Jackson Cats? No. This is getting down the down the rabbit hole a little bit, but talking about um, um, gender-based violence on women from men mm -hmm. or um, men against men, so either. And uh, at least that's how it was explained. I'm not sure. I'm not going to get into like different um, different like binary, non-binary for the sake of this conversation. But um, he talked about it being a men's issue. It's like we need to help men. We need to help change men, right? Like that's that's the issue. But he's also a man talking about that and talking about all the structures, um, infrastructures that are in place that really support men. In the net. sorry, I'm going to use the word support. I'm going to back up. A lot of the infrastructures that are in place that teach men really like to go down that path. And it's like it's not. It's not like the man, it's not the man's fault. It's not the boy's fault. Like he's, mm. you know, we have, it could be a fault of parenting or teachers or coaching or uh, religion or like, I don't know, social media, I guess is its own thing. But like, it's really like we need to help men. And that's, that's, I think that's a, that's just another leg of why I think men's work is so important because we can, like the healing aspect of it, right? Like we all do shit that's that's fucked up or things that we're, you know, maybe we were ashamed of or we are or whatever, but it's like, well, what am I gonna do now and how am I gonna change the, you know, change the territory in front of me? Mm. And I think uh, for me, especially when you start having kids, we have one, that becomes more paramount because you're like, holy fuck, I have someone that's looking up to me every second that he looks at me, he's analyzing who is my dad. And especially um, a boy looking up at his dad, because Sorrel's a boy, right? It's like there's a lot of onus on like, I need to be, I need to be whatever my definition of a good person is, whether it's a good man, yeah, but like I need to be a good person and I need to be better. Mm. I think that's really important to have like some response, like take some major responsibility as a parent um, when you're raising kids in that way. And it's really fucking hard, but uh, I think there needs to be some responsibility that, like, you know, our kids aren't going to turn out good or bad simply based on us. But like, we're caregivers. Whoever caregivers have a lot of a pretty big role, and you know, you can talk like 
Bree and I talk about not sex so much, but he's two. We talk about, you know, consent and we talk about things that I didn't learn about until I was like fucking 27. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a big issue. That's a huge issue. Um, like, yeah, right. And if I can touch on that, yeah. it makes a big difference when something is learned through modeling someone else's behavior and they get to see it and it becomes, I mean, that's, that becomes hardwired in their brain. Learning something at 27 is a practice. And that's, that's so different. Mm. A, a child who just understands consent as a part of being a human being versus someone who had to learn it at 27, everything's, everything is now practice around that. Mm -hmm. Until it becomes integrated, but but uh, and, and 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 that comes back to like what you're saying about helping men. Yes, we need to like instill practices that that support that change that they're that they're looking for. Um, yeah, sorry, I don't want to take away from no. your share there. I just Go I just it. wanted to create that distinction. Like what you're doing, what you're trying to do is create something instilled. Mm -hmm that's not a conscious practice because you had to make it a conscious practice. And that's kind of that like feedback loop of, you know, when you're, parents want their, generally want their child to have a better than, or learn what they didn't learn yeah. or have it better than they had it. And and those, those things that are a practice, you can help to instill, but you're already modeling all of those things that you, you have like integrated in the body, so. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a tough one too, man. As a as a parent, like as I'm saying, there's so much responsibility, um, and I don't want to say like you know this isn't a judgment on any on on myself or any other parent at all. Like we're all we're all always doing the best we can. At least I think that I've heard that, and I think I think that I'm starting to believe that. But we also just you know. I don't know, there's just, there is a lot of issues too. And I think, uh, again, back to the men's group, for men, like, you don't need to go at it alone. That's exactly what this is. I, I felt so supported, man. Like, going to the men's group is one of the best things I do in my week. It's one of the things I look forward to the most. I'm sure a lot of men feel the same way. It's one thing that, you know, um, it's probably a pretty unique thing for a lot of people throughout their, what they spend time on. and it's. Yeah, it's really profound, the amount of change and the amount of like positive ripple effect impact it's gonna have on other people I think is really great for whatever men's group or circle or healing, whatever. I have this thought that's, um, it's kind of like, there's different angles you could look at it, but I think at points it's, it's extremely important to be selfless so that you can be uh, selfish, so that you can be more selfless. And I feel like selfishness can lead to selflessness especially when we're talking about like doing the work, whatever the fucking work means, that's a buzzword to do the work, man. It's like, okay, I think men's group is doing the work, so I'm gonna count it. Mm -hmm. It's like, be selfish, do the work, because things then become so much more optimal for people around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for men, because you know, we are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of a spotlight on how men behave. And I think rightfully so, there's been lots of, Lots of shit happen. Lots of men being in, in tough positions or putting themselves in bad positions or not having good influence in their life or whatever. Mm -hmm. That I think it's really important that, again, we're talking about it, like hopefully more men reach out to men that are good role models. Yeah, like yourself. Like, 
right? Like that's actually one of the practices I bring into my group is every now and then it's you know I get the guys to reach out to someone that's not in the group and just and be that for that that other person. Be what the group is to them for someone who can't have the group, right? Whether yeah. that's because they don't live nearby, whether that's because finance finances aren't you know or whatever reason they're they're not in a support group like that and don't have access to it. Mm -hmm. They get to be that for them, and that's a really empowering thing. Guys who get support are empowered through receiving, but guys who give support, like that is such an enriching thing. You get to, you get to have an impact on someone's life. And if you look at social media, it's all impact. Everyone's trying to have an impact. Everyone's trying to make a statement to get out there, be in the world. It's true. But when you can really touch someone at their core and you can empathize with what they're going through, and just, even if, even if you didn't really give them any direction to go in or, or they're not gonna make any changes, them having that experience of being seen and being heard is meaningful to them. And the person who gave, gave them that, that's a really enriching thing. So I encourage everyone in my groups to just do that as often as you can, but then I'll specifically set like a timeline and a, and a mission around it. Like, you know, you have to have a two hour phone call with someone this week. That's a, that's a great practice. I think that's, that's unreal. One, yeah, one thing I noticed about the men's group too I think it was maybe just a little bit more highlighted for me is the, is the power of you know not giving advice because that's that's challenging. It's certainly challenging for me. I can mean that as a as a coach and just someone that likes to talk and communicate and someone that's trying to you know better better myself quite often. It can be challenging not to give advice when you feel like your advice is what they need. But that's yeah. again down to the, like the consent piece and you know listening and just. I'm sure this is the same in yours. Um, a lot of it with with the group that I'm a part of is like, well, what do you need before I start fucking barking down what I think you should do? Right, sort of eliminates judgment and puts puts a gap in there and mm -hmm. creates a lot more space. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's advice is almost like an ultimatum. It's kind of like, do this, or it's, or, you know, you don't get to be heard by me. And maybe, maybe there's, um, I think it has the same impact as giving someone an ultimatum. You know, it's essentially like we're we're talking on my terms right now. We're whatever we're doing together, it's on my terms because I've got advice to give, and I think you should do this. And and someone who's not looking for advice, they're not going to take it. Yeah. And so there's no point in giving it in the first place. We all know how that feels. You're yeah. Like, I'm good, and then someone's like, no, here here it is, and you're like, I'm not fucking listening. I told you. Or or they already know. Yeah. You already know, and that's there's still emotions or story. Mm -hmm. We're just clarifying to process, and, and and with men's group, the first thing we do is we practice listening without giving advice. We practice reflecting without giving advice, and then we practice extracting more information without giving advice, like helping them to get clearer just by asking questions. Yeah. And I find that's the best tool. If you can ask someone questions, they'll share everything about themselves. And, and find out things they didn't even they didn't even know because questions can point in directions without being do this, try that, change this. What about that? Mm -hmm. What what has your experience been when you try this? You know, it's just it's 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 and it's not necessarily to like package advice, but to point in a direction where you think they should look and be like, what just what are you seeing here? What do you think about that? I noticed these two things. You said this, and then you said this, and that seems kind of uh, connected. 
Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Um, these these sort of tools just they, they transform the the kind of like fast food listening, which is <laughs> yeah, that's a real term. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 quick and it's unhealthy because all you left with was this this really fatty meal of advice, yeah. and you're like, I didn't want this. I wanted satiation. I wanted you're not you know, going to well. Yeah, it's not going to digest. You're going to shit it out. Hold on to some fat. So no, no, uh, no drive-through listening. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that's a really good one. What's well, it's great. It's a it's a great analogy because we're talking about even the pace, right? Slow listen. It's like fast food. We all know what that means. That means complete opposite. Of that I'm gonna fucking rush. I'm, I'm not being as mindful as I could be. It's more expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and it just leaves you looking for more. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if if. If, it's true. When, it's true. When I, I found food, it was just like that was really good. I want more of that yeah. versus like a nice whole food meal that's that's made with love. And you know, when my partner makes me food, it's just it's glorious. I love yeah. it. And and I eat that. And I'm just I don't need any more. The taste was incredible, but like I'm so satisfied. Yeah. And and I want I want my my listening sharing experience to be like that too, where I'm just I'm filled. My yeah. cup is full happy and, and I'm just digesting it good for you man that's good I like that analogy we kept going like there was some really good counterpoints supporting that yeah <laughs> feel free to use that that's, yeah, that's, that's good not what, trademarked no it's good yeah we're not we're not popular enough to be trademarked and stuff right people <laughs> just use it and be like oh, I know where I took yeah. it from but it doesn't matter it. <laughs> yeah part of when you were saying this it, it it helped me sort of create this analogy that I want to share so and we'll try this out, but as you're saying, like advice giving versus back to your point of like um, offering advice, whether it's, so we're going to assume that it's offering advice when it's consensual. It's like, yeah, I'll take some advice. I'll get some, some advice versus asking a question. It's kind of like I picture a mirror, right? With a lot of this kind of work, a mirror comes in the analogy. So I feel a little bit like when you're asking a question to a man in a circle, I mean, this is obviously blow this out to just having a relationship with someone but it seems like asking a question for the intention of like um helping that person with their own reflections a bit like holding a mirror to them mm. and then giving advice is a little bit like holding a mirror to yourself because it's it's literally a projection of your own beliefs on what you think that other person should do but based on your own beliefs right mm. maybe it's not totally that black and white but it's a little bit like we're trying to help this man here. It's not about, like, it's, it's not about feeding my ego, like, yeah, fuck yeah, I gave the best advice, right? And that's come up for me. I'm like, I love when people take my advice, but that's not the main reason I go to it. And that's not, that can't be the main reason we do things is for our own fulfillment because people took our advice, so. Yeah, oh, I, I like that. The, the mirror facing, facing, like, myself when I'm giving advice. And what I'm seeing is, it's me. This is what I would do. Mm -hmm. Or this is, this is what I think I would do because you never really know. When having an outside perspective is a great way to give like some, some overarching view. Mm -hmm. Even if I've never been there, just not being there now, I can see it more clearly generally. Um, whether that's like, uh, 
relationship, finances, anything, someone's going through it, it's really hard to see the whole thing clearly. Mm -hmm. Someone else can help get that eagle, eagle eye view or just have some elevation on the, the situation. Um, that's a really good opportunity to, to like be, be giving reflections. Mm -hmm. But that reflection is holding a mirror to them so they can see it. Yeah. If I'm holding the mirror to me, all I'm seeing is, is just what I think I would do in that moment. As, yeah. As you were saying. And it might be, it might literally just be the intent. Like, I think, I think you're understanding how I'm explaining it. Like, I'm not saying advice is bad, right? It's not about the black and white, but it's more like my intention with sharing my experience is to potentially get stimulate something different. Then that's a lot different than being like with having judgment behind it. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the mirror would be in front of myself. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Maybe it's just intent. I think, I think also, just recognizing even that advice is a lot more rarely helpful than it's given is mm -hmm. a good place to start. And I've, I've, I've still given a fair amount of advice since recognizing that, that that's true. And, mm -hmm. and I still get back from time to time that it wasn't helpful. And it's, you know, just remembering I chose to give advice, could I have um, helped them in a different way is, is one way of thinking about it. And then in the times where it is helpful, generally what, what it's based around is if they're, if they're stuck, they're stuck in some way, whether that's like, you know, their, um, their progress in the gym or, you know, their body's in pain, like after a massage, I give advice all the time after a massage. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would say that's generally the, the most helpful time to, that I give advice in my life but all of these you know different times when I could give advice generally what's the most helpful is if I give someone a practice that they can do that will help move them through that walk or change their position in relationship to it so they can see it right whether that's like you know their their pain can be regulated with breath and they just have now a practice that helps reverse or maybe it's um, a block in the relationship and I give them a communication practice that they can do with their partner just to help move that block a little and get past that and then they can move forward right. but it's not it's not like grand advice about like here's what you and your partner should do every day forever right. or even <laughs> just giving them giving them like you know advice on how to have a relationship it's really like here's this little practice try that if that shifts things then you know, I'm, con I'm happy to continue helping you like reflect on the situation, mm -hmm. but it sounds like there's just a block there. And, and, that, and that sort of advice generally lands, but um, it's not quite the same as here's what you should do. Mm -hmm. And that, um, my, my partner, she gave me a great, uh, I don't know if she came up with it or not, so feel free to use this. Oh, I, I, but I, I, I'll trademark. Yeah, you can, you can, you can trademark, <laughs> write an ebook, put it out there. Um, my idea. She, uh, whenever I say you should, or I should. Mm -hmm. She'll say, did you just shit on me? <laughs> and, and I like that. It just, it brings back to like, oh yeah, this is, this is, uh, well, it's, it's just shitting on me. Yeah. Anyway. On yourself or others, eh? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, and, and on top of that, I'll add, there's been a lot of situations where someone asks for advice. They, what they think they need is advice. And I just, I don't have any good advice. It's like, yeah, that's a stumper. 
but I can reflect and maybe we'll find something out together. But right. I just don't have, I don't know what to do. That's, that's great to be able to hold that space. I think. I feel like that's, you know, I don't know how many levels of awareness there are. That's definitely not level one. <laughs> that's uh, up there. That's, <laughs> that's sitting in a men's circle every week and, and having guys come in looking for advice and realizing I don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're paying me to have advice and I don't have any. Yeah. But that's great, man. I think the humility in that is unreal. Mm. Like I, I personally am totally okay uh, as a coach. If someone's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, I don't know. Like a, 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 re a real recent example is someone was, this is a pretty intense example, but someone was talking about uh, virtual reality. One of my clients mm. is like, so I want to be doing more cardio at home. What's your thoughts on virtual reality? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to give you my opinion. I don't have a, I don't have educated thoughts around it. And I, I have an opinion, but I'm not even going to give you that. Mm. Yeah, and that, so I opened it up to some other people and she got advice from someone else, but yeah there's not a lot of science around it maybe it's not like super mainstream to be talking about how fitness is going to be integrated into virtual reality mm. and then yeah i have my opinion but yeah i'll just keep it out yeah it's it's, a, it's, an, it's an unusual one it is right but it, was, <laughs> it was recent so i want to bring it up cool what what's your uh what's your breath practice like right now right um like my personal one or like with like working with people uh, let's start with your personal stuff. Maybe like the type of breathing, where it came from, why you do it, what it does. Sure. Um, well, I, I initially just became aware of like using breath as a practice for um, various different reasons through yoga. And I think a lot of people start there. A lot of people experience it for the first time through some sort of yoga practice where you're just breathing the whole time continuously. Mm -hmm. and. And that bring that plus movement and, and sweating and all of that bring up you know an altered state of consciousness which is very blissful all the endorphin releases and um, so so I, I initially came to it through that but uh, then got into like more specific breathwork practices personally just doing like um, Kriya yoga and stuff that uses a lot more intense breath and then found uh, that that people have been using breathwork to to facilitate trauma release. And that was something that was really fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. um, seeing a therapist at the time, just trying to like work on some of my own traumas. And and I came to finding, um, actually my brother found this this teacher and and he was a male teacher and that that was important to me. Um, just seeing seeing a male therapist was really helpful for, for me at the time, just being able to resource through a male body. Um, I was 20 so you know, having having an older man to like just connect to was yeah was really the healing in itself mm -hmm. plus the breath that we were using to help facilitate more healing um, so I, I did a training with him just for myself I was like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna access this level of healing it was super profound they use the breath to activate the the energy that's stored during a traumatic experience and then when it's activated, it's helped to move through through movements, through making sounds, through um, you know even just letting out like a full emotional expression, whether it's like pounding a pillow or or screaming, um, and then also using just some body work too, because sometimes the energy moves and it gets stuck here, and it's like oh, I can't move through this, and so body work can help like 
open up the body and allow that energy to move. So this whole uh, system that he was teaching was what I wanted to experience for myself. Mm -hmm. So I went for two weeks and, and just did this deep dive into my own breathing and, and releasing and had you know, the most profound experience of my life, more than really? psychedelics, more than, yeah, yeah, it was really, it was really transformative. And, and what I also got to see was I witnessed other people go through a transformation and just seeing people go from, you know, even just like jittering while they speak to just having a calm, present conversation like we are in a matter wow. of two weeks. Um, just, just incredible transformation. And I got to go through that and feel that. And I, I was also technically trained to do that to a degree. Um, and, and I just fell in love with it. So I, I did my next training uh, a few months later to continue with that. And then since then, I've been doing both group sessions and private sessions, just working with people to, to use this, um, this tool. We are talking about using a tool yeah. to under under a facilitation which which helps to you know any any challenges that come up are really hard to navigate going through a breathwork session alone mm -hmm. so the facilitator can help um, whether it's through body work telling people to use their voice all of that to help move that energy and mm -hmm. integrate it integrate it into the body and then resource and ground and right. and in a big sense what's happening is areas of the body that are um, tight tense restricted blocked, um, uh, very weak flow of energy, mm -hmm. or very intensely charged flow of energy, um, those can reintegrate into the body and the energy can just move a lot more freely. Right. So that's mm. that's kind of what the breathwork is. And what is that called? Is there a name for it? Yeah, so I, the style that I trained in is called biodynamic breathwork. Right, okay. And my teacher's name is Ten, And so he, he goes all around the world and does these trainings and they're incredible. He does is that um, I'm thinking of something called bioenergetics, like that shaking sort of realm. Is that does that fit into that as well? It does. Yeah, it's actually it's one of the one of the tools that that is used in this whole system. Like he he was a he was a, a massage practitioner for 20 years and then got into breathwork and then included all these different things. Like um, uh, he he so bioenergetics is one of them. And, and one of the ones that I use, just for myself, I use that that the most now, like as opposed mm -hmm. to doing like a full hour of yoga, I'll do like 10, 15 minutes of that in the morning, and I'm just supercharged up after bioenergetics. Can we, let's get into the details on some of these. I know you're not saying like, hey guys, if you're listening, try all these yoga, or these breath practices, but just so we can get like some, because these are, these are pretty unusual ones. Like it's not yeah. like you're just meditating. No, no, it's, it's very, it's intentional, um, right? Yeah, it's very dynamic and it's very uh, um, body-based. Like, I would say that you're, um, you don't have, there's, there's no mantra, there's no, there's no point of focus necessarily, there's, there's not um, even, there's not even necessarily a, an intention to let go of thoughts. There's just breath and movement. Okay. Yeah. And that's, it's a very Western, uh, I think like German psychoanalytic type of background to it. So right. it's, it's very different than like an Indian based yoga practice or like, um, you know, some Tai Chi or, or, or Qigong or all these other things that include breath, include movement. But this is, this is like, yeah, really intense German psychoanalytic movement. And breath. <laughs> 
Cool, man. Let's let's hear it. Do you know? Can you explain how to do it? Well, there's so bioenergetics is like this whole um, spectrum of exercises based on what someone is experiencing. So I have a couple that I like to do. Um, I call it the skier. The skier? Um, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what it's actually called, but essentially. Um, you swing your arms up as you're standing, and then you come into like a squat, swinging the arms back, and it's just inhale and then exhale through the mouth. And it's just really powerful. I, anyone who who's listening or or wants to try it, do 30 right now, and really powerful breaths through the mouth. Both mouth. In, Both. Yeah. In and out. Yeah. And mm. and that will drastically charge up your body. So you do that as like a sympathetic tonal change. Yeah. It's fairly quick, it's powerful breathing, it's mouth breathing, it's big movements. Yeah. 30 times. Yeah. Is there anyone that shouldn't do it? I know you're not like Yeah. A, well, you are a practitioner, but if, well, you, yeah, don't, if you don't know who these people are that are Yeah, If you have heart conditions, it. I definitely wouldn't do it. If you have diabetes, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty standard for uh, okay. certain disclaimers for breath works. Cool. Yeah. The skier. A skier. Well, I pictured a ski erg, so 100%, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Definitely. Or like well, a cross-country skier yeah. that's just kind of chugging along, right? Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully not breathing that heavy for, for like long distance. Yeah. And yeah. get into the endurance part of breathing, but um, cool, man. I could see how that could be super stimulating. Yeah. So not a bedtime routine. Not before bed. Yeah. Um, there are. There are other ones you can do before bed, but I mean, if you if you search on YouTube bioenergetics, there's mm -hmm. so many resources out there. Um, you'll get a much better rundown and explanation than I could give, especially if you're, especially without me demonstrating. Yeah. But these are ones that I do with my men's group. I do before breath work to get people like activated, loose, channels open, mm -hmm. ready to you know move and let the energy flow and release. Um, not coming to it from like you know sitting at a desk all day, sort of totally. Um, energetic state but yeah but ready in charge and and I, I like to start the day like that you know it's it, it activates this the stress response a little bit just a little bit mm -hmm. and and that helps me prepare to meet the stress of the day while still I'm still maintaining like I'm regulated I'm grounded I'm calm I can I can also attune to people emotionally I'm not in a state of stress uh, someone I don't remember who it was but someone once said are you waking up naturally or, or chemically and you know that first hit of coffee stimulates what this breath does but this breath allows that grounded calm serene state to coexist yeah and to shift back and forth is easy because i'm not popped up on stimulants i've just woken up my nervous system yeah you know what there's a really good i think a really important uh or um Di difference to draw between like waking up from breath-based stuff or like or feeling stimulated from breathing versus stimulating from a stimulant or an external substance mm. or a substance versus no substance and i found this anytime i did any cold water work any any type of breathing at all and there's like, what, like just what you said there's tons of resources just search it right there's a lot of stimulating breath work, but it's not stimulating. It's at least for me and people I've trained at this point, I don't think there's been one example of someone being like, you know, I'm too stimulated. I feel anxious now. And it's just like, you do get to this like extreme focus, but like readiness, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you don't, I know anytime I've done any breath work and or with cold exposure, 
I never feel like oh, I need to feel more awake right now. I'm like, I feel max and it feels very controlled. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, you know, coffee or caffeine or whatever stimulant, it's like, it's a real, it's, it's a little bit more rocky. Like I find a lot of the time I'm like, I feel a little bit anxious right now. And it's like, it's not like it feels better. It feels like less in control. Yeah. Right. So I feel like it's, Again, that's like the essence of breathing is like control and energy flow, but I think, yeah, just an important thing to like put the, the power into breathing again. Yeah. I, I like that what you said too about the like cold having that effect as well. Like there is nothing more, like when I come out of like a cold immersion, colors are just so vivid. There's no point, nothing that, that gives me that same visual and, and sensory clarity that that cold can do. Mm -hmm. What is cold doing? It's stimulating the same stress response that coffee is, mm -hmm. but you've put your body in a state of stress. You've you've been able to channel that and, and meet it and and actually um, you, you've been able to synchronize your body to your environment. Mm -hmm. Whereas with, with a stimulant, and I'm not I'm not saying never take stimulants yeah. do whatever do whatever you like for whatever reason um but but just recognize that the stimulation that comes from like say coffee or an energy drink or sugar or they stimulate parts of the brain and parts of the nervous system and they won't stop stimulating them until the body actually metabolizes all those yeah. all those chemicals and and with with breath you can change your breath you can um and and like you can change your breath on a dime Mm -hmm. Right, you just stop breathing the way you were and change it to something different. And if you're going through powerful inhale, exhale, inhale and exhale through the mouth, and you switch to slow breaths through the nose for four seconds, mm -hmm. hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold mm -hmm. for four seconds, that four breaths like that, guaranteed your nervous system is going to already start, if not like have completely shifted yeah, into a new, a new state. Cold. You get out of the water, you're like, whoa, I'm clear. Your body immediately starts to um, to adapt and to, to regulate the core temperature. Yeah. Um, not only that, but you're getting like the circulation uh, increase from both the breath and the and the cold. And then with the with the um, arm swinging, you're actually kind of the squatting. You're getting the blood moving through the whole body. Right. So you're getting your heart rate going. Like all of anything that you're doing that involves using the body and and getting that in, endorphin release from moving, breathing, yeah, ha being in nature even, just all of that gives gives something that your body is attuning to mm -hmm. rather than stimulated by. Yeah, so it's kind of like natural versus substance, I guess, because it's not an internal versus external when we bring nature in, other yeah. than we are nature. So oh, you're breathing, you're yeah, taking that air in. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I used to describe um, cold dips. We used, to, we used to just run and jump in Ontario. It's different. My practice is way different now. Mm -hmm. It's literally from jumping to now it's like gradually walking. So the pace has changed. Mm -hmm. But the effect is still the same. It's just controlled differently. And it's like it feels like five Red Bulls without a crash. Mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. I love about, again, breathing cold stuff. It's like there's no crash to it. It's, you just, your body completely just regulates at the perfect fucking off-ramp or on-ramp. It just, it works, it's a natural, perfect 
load or deloading. Yeah. Right? Whereas coffee, you can generally tell where you're like, at least for me, yeah, I know a lot of people, it's like, oh, fuck, I could really use another coffee. It's like, yeah, it's because, you know, that you've worn off that or you're desensitized to it or whatever. Same with Red Bull, you usually crash after. Five-hour yeah. energy, it's like, right. There's a, there's a window there. Yeah, the, the price to pay for that is pretty high. Yeah. Like the energetic price. Totally. Yeah, yeah. breathwork, man, breathwork. What's another cool breathwork practice you do? Is there something unique? Um, well, okay, so I gave you one that wakes you up. Maybe yeah. I'll give you one that like helps to regulate and calm down. Because, sure. Um, part of the, the work that I, I do with people is like helping them find tips and, and, and practices that that can they can incorporate into their life that help them regulate the intensity of their life, whether that's stress from work, whether that's even just like, you know, having a bit of a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. there's, there's breath practices that can help regulate that in the moment. Like it's immediately empowering. Even if it's not like totally transformative, or yeah. it might be, but even if it's not, it's empowering to be able to do absolutely nothing other than breathe and help create change to that, that situation which seems overwhelming, seems scary, mm -hmm. seems life-threatening sometimes. So there's a lot of acceptance to that. This love. Acceptance, right? And yeah. I'm like going through moment. this, but I'm going to do this for a minute. Absolutely. Or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah. Truly, it's truly meaning life. Yeah. It's, it's breathing it in, right? And um, yeah, so, so let's, let's get into um, the practice that, that I like is to um, uh, first notice the breath. I don't love to tell people to change their breath when they're in that kind of state. Change your breath when you're fine. So you're talking about nighttime routine, or like parasympathetic, or you're talking about uh, going through like a particular immediate bout of stress? Okay, so I, I'm, Application. I'm talking about any time you're wanting to unwind the nervous system, okay. like unwind the, if you're, if you're um, and, and this is, is a good one before bed because that's generally when thoughts start to come up and stories yeah. start to come up and then, and then the thoughts tend to like really create a, a spin and it, it just, it just cascades from there. Yeah. So, so before bed's a good time, uh, in a state of high stress is a good time. And, um, and, and that high stress can be like with work, with just all the things piling up. It could also be um, an emergency situation and, and, and you need to, you need to react, you need to adapt, you need to be calm. So this is just a calming practice. So first is to notice how your breath is. Because if you st try to change it immediately, it's, it's not really doing it with any sort of foundation of awareness. Mm -hmm. So just notice where the breath is at. And, um, and, and take, take a few breaths like that, but consciously. So let's say I'm, I'm, I'm having, whether I'm having a panic attack or, or really stressed and I'm like noticing that my breath is really high up, mm -hmm. that it's really short, and I'm breathing through my mouth, and that sort of thing. Yep, Maybe I take four or five of those intentionally. That's what my body's wanting? Okay, I'll give it that. And then, now I'm in control. Now I'm there with it. You know, it's not happening to me, it's not just happening, I'm rolling with this. And then, maybe recognize what might be more helpful. Maybe I need to slow it down a bit, or maybe I need to change to nostril breathing. Um, and you may even be starting at nostril breathing, it may already be fairly slow, but just meeting your breath where it's at, 
Just noticing. Just noticing and doing a few of those same breaths intentionally before trying to make any changes. So that's the main part of the practice because you can take that from you know how I'm breathing right now, which is you know get, catching a breath in between talking. Mm -hmm. When I'm listening, I'm breathing through my nose. It's pretty calm. It's pretty mm -hmm. relaxed. I can I can still bring my awareness to that and take those breaths consciously, and that just feeds my nervous system. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm resourcing that way. Like I'm I'm getting more comfortable in my body getting more comfortable in my environment just by being aware of how I'm breathing and choosing to breathe that way. And then if I want to make changes, if I'm like, okay, what kind of state do I want to be in? I want to be more relaxed. I'm going to take a nice deep inhale. And then, um, and I would work towards this. If you're starting with mouth breathing, high up into your chest, slow it down. Mm -hmm. Start breathing through your nose. But don't force yourself into a very slow breath. Right. Progress slowly, you know, get into And then what often happens, so when the nervous system shifts from the sympathetic state, which is fight or flight, stress, reacting, adrenaline, cortisol, it shifts into a parasympathetic state, which is like social engagement, relaxation, digestion, sleep. Um, when, you're, when, when that shift happens, what often happens is, is another physiological response, which is a big sigh. And, and as you're slowing your breath down, you may notice that it goes, and then you get this nice deep inhale. And you just let that sigh out and let a little sound out. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then there's no, there's no need to continue other than to just breathe, but you've, you've shifted. So is that sigh pretty paramount in that? Is that, is that eventually the objective? The, yeah, well, no. The objective is to come into a state of awareness, relaxation, yeah, okay. to regulate, oh, right. so come down. And that sigh generally indicates that it happened, but um, the goal isn't to sigh. Don't think about forcing it. If it doesn't happen, you're not still stressed, necessarily. Mm -hmm. But if you notice the sigh, you know, that, that, that shift has happened, and then you can just let it go and, and move on. But I think it's it's pretty common, it's pretty natural for as the breath slows, for the breath to get more full. And as it gets more full, it triggers that, that full expansion tr triggers that nervous system to shift. It's like, and then even before the side, it might be like a second inhale, like a, you know, like where you get that, you, you fill up, you're like, you get that extra little bit, inhale. and just tips you over the top, and you're like, oh, that's good, that was a good breath. It's interesting because there's so many similarities with the breath work I do, right? Or the breath work I'm hearing about, which it's it's great. It's like a lot of this fucking breath work. It's I'm 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 so pleased that it's popular and it's getting more popular, right? Because it works, mm -hmm. and you're not selling anyone on anything. It's just like no, you have the tool within you. Yeah, we'll just you learn this little practice, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's all great, but like it it's still it's still interesting how simple all the practices have been so far. Like anything that I've learned, it doesn't really matter who I talk to, they're all like, yeah, it's for the nervous system regulation, these nerves innervate here, it's for this kind of thing. Like, I started learning like some quite unusual stuff when I went into this uh, Art of Breath course, because it talked about, this was really interesting, and I'll have to look it up to see if there's been like further studies, but they were talking, they studied, um, I wouldn't say anecdotally, they had some type of mask on, I forget, it, it measured the, um, the gas offloading from your exhale 
and they called the I don't know the dog walk because it was essentially that's what the intensity was. He walked his dog around a circle, a pond for five minutes, uh, exclusively exhaling through his nose, and then he did it again, ex exclusively exhaling through his mouth. Mm. And they found that there was completely different gas gases released. So at least at the time, and I don't want to quote them because I don't know if it's like okay, Eureka, here's the evidence. But at least during that study, they found that um, ex exhalating during your mouth has a higher burning of carbohydrates, which means it's a way less sustainable type of breathing, regardless of the intensity of the exercise versus, you know, more exhalation through nose corresponded with higher burning or offloading of fat, which we know fat as being a way more sustainable resource for longer bouts of endurance. Mm -hmm. That was really fucking interesting to me because I was like, whoa, that is a huge difference, mm -hmm. right? But then there's also just like, you know, well, okay, so take a breath through your nose and take a breath through your mouth. How does that feel? Mm -hmm. Like, that's all it even needs to be too, right? Like, all the extra stuff is really cool. But to your point, yeah. like, does, doesn't need to have a, like a really specific outcome. You're not tr forcing anything. You're just like simply noticing and like maybe hopefully probably having some type of direction with it, which is what makes it intentional. Yeah. Breathing is so simple. It is. And it's, it's, I think one of the most intuitive things that, um, like, like you said, is the, the science is cool and it's all there. Mm -hmm. And yet it, it seems so intuitive, mm -hmm. right? Like it doesn't, it, it almost just hits a resonant chord rather than being like this, whoa, aha. It's like, oh yeah, that really makes sense. Yeah. And I think because breath is both voluntary and involuntary, it has that direct connection to our intuition. Mm -hmm. We we intuitively take a deep breath when we need one, or when there's a, a moment of like relief, it's just, ah, it's the breath. Mm -hmm. it, it comes back when we're stressed, immediately take that inhale to like, you know, mm -hmm. brace. It's, it's, our body breathes for us, and yet we can also breathe. And, and, and what I, what I like to focus on is, um, is to meet life with the breath that's appropriate. So um, not overly forcing my breath in any particular moment. Um, I find that, that to be, uh, like for example, um, I'm going to choose to meet life with the breath I want. Mm. And so like cold water immersion, um, I, I, do, I do focus a lot on like exhaling and, and letting letting some sound come out with it too. It just helps me to, to regulate. And that's what feels good to you too in the moment? Good. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's what helps me adapt to it the most. Um, and lots of, lots of breathing through my nose, but occasionally like a good exhale through my mouth and it's like, I got some sound and I'm like, oh, you know, just let it out. And, and mm. um, it, yeah, trusting, trusting that intuition, but also being aware of it because um, you know, there, there are people who have bad breathing practices totally, yeah. who, who habitually nose breathe and it's causing detriment. So bringing awareness can help shift to nose breathing or it can help shift to more aware mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. But, um, trust the intuitive aspect of breath more than trying to like force a change. It's just my only, my, my main practice. That's uh, that's really interesting because it does partly uh, it partly contradicts something that I was doing 
Um, so I want to bring this up because it's interesting, but it also made me think of there being two angles to intentionality with breathing. So say you're doing this cold water. I said that really weird. Say you're doing this cold water, right? And how I would generally do it is I go in and I have an intentional breathing practice that I know is going to help me regulate versus, and it's not necessarily an, an opposing thing. It's just slightly different. It's like, knowing what you know about breathing and then going in and just sort of meeting your breath where it's at and not necessarily being like, nope, try to do this breathing, try to do this breathing. It's like, it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're both intentional though. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons I don't do Wim Hof before doing a cold immersion. I'm not against Wim Hof at all, I think. Yeah. In fact, I, I love his, his mentality about it, which is let the cold embrace you be surrounded by the cold. You don't fight it, you won't win. Mm -hmm. Like just meet it. Meet yeah. the cold. Stop telling yourself it's cold too. Like yeah. just yeah. just go in the water. Yeah. You know, that 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 sort of mentality. I, I love that and I approach that and but I just don't hype myself up with a bunch of a breath before. I just, just go in. Yeah. And um I I actually I met a couple couple different women that were um doing ocean dips at the same spot that I was and I uh, I talked to one of them and she just you know she I was going in and staying in for like you know I was dunking my head and being like oh this is really cold and running out and it's like yeah it was like really tough and warrior thing to do yeah. and then this older woman in her 60s comes down and she she goes into the water goes for a swim yeah. walking in <laughs> yeah. nice and slow she spent 45 minutes swimming in the Pacific Ocean where I couldn't even stay in a full minute. Yeah. And then, so I talked to her, asked her, I was like, what, what's your process? What do you do? How have you, like, how have you been able to do this? This is so, so far beyond, like, my concept of understanding. You don't seem like this elite athlete who can do these incredible feats, but yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. she goes, oh, I just love the cold. I just let it, I just, I just let it embrace me. You know, I, I don't fight it. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like what Wim Hof was saying, and I wasn't listening to that. Obviously, yeah. I was I was resisting, and that 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 changes. So now you know I've got a practice that allows me to just go for a swim. I can enjoy it, and and not not do it because it's tough, not do it because it's it's intense or hard. Yeah. But that because it feels good. Yeah, and those other things are maybe there as well. You're just not using that to identify with it. You're not yes. doing the water to make you more tougher. Yes, it's exactly. Like, yeah, oh yeah, my body's gonna get more resilient, but I'm embracing it because it feels good. Right. Right. Yeah, kind of comes back to that whole thing about like identifying with like yeah. masculine or feminine and, and like trying to identify what those are and like saying that cold water is really tough and intense. Cold water just is cold water. Yeah. And I can go into it with any, any sort of relationship to it that I want. I was clearly misguided in my, my yeah. assessment of it before because, yeah. because this, this you know, 60 plus year old woman who's just enjoying it as if it's tropical water totally. yeah. um, has a different perspective of it. She's wearing a different lens yeah. and she's relating, relating to the experience through that. Whereas what I was doing was, was hyping it up and making it scary. Yeah. That's legit, man. That's a good takeaway advice. It's like all our perspective too, right? Yeah, and 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 the, and the breath, the breath is like I think the the medium that or the 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 portal between perspectives. If we're in a state of like 
really high stress, adrenaline, fear, and then the breath changes through awareness and then, and then consciously changing it to, um, to reaching a state of uh, a breath that represents or, or helps to um, create a state of calm, then that state of calm arrives. So the breath is like, can take us from here to here, just in the same way when I'm warm and then I walk into the water, I can change my internal state by going in to, from you know, warming my clothes mm -hmm. to cold water by using the breath to help me transition. Right. Transition from yeah, before to after, and then after to yeah, yeah transition. Yeah. I feel like that just came full circle. Yeah, kind of did, didn't we? That was great, man. Thanks for being on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Any, any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts are your... Okay, here we go. Um, we touched on a few things. I would say that, first and foremost, the answer to a lot of the problems that we have interpersonally is to have more intentional community, whether that's a men's circle, whether that's in relationship, work, and you, no matter who you are, can help lead in creating that. So I would start with that. Second, on a personal level, one of the most empowering things you can do is to explore your own breath, breath awareness, and just have fun with it, enjoy it. Get immersed in the, the fascination that breath is because that can be your best tool in stepping into that leadership. And, and, and just don't limit how much your life can transform by those two simple things. So that's my, that's my final thought. So down. All right.